This episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast is brought to you by the Mozzie. Pace is a superpower, and no matter how fast you run, trimming time off your pace feels great. We're launching our pace-tuned running shoes this coming summer. They're scientifically proven to perform much better than OmniPace shoes. In Vamazi Pace Tune shoes, runners get optimal cushioning and max propulsion efficiency. Why? Because the forces you generate at various paces changes dramatically, and a single shoe can't react correctly to the entire range. You'll run more efficiently and have just the features you need. Say goodbye to confusion and say hello to the exact shoe you need to run your best. Vamazi. That's V-I-M-A-Z-I. V-I-M-A-Z-I. If you're like me, you are trying to do as much of your training outdoors as you can. I've found that the best way to embrace the elements is to have a wide variety of gear ready to go for whatever my workout calls for. If you're in need of adding a few more pieces to your running wardrobe, look no further than Cedic Run. With the top brands of running, SDR has you covered. Beanies, gloves, base layers, long sleeves, and so much more. One of my favorite pieces that I picked up from the shop a few years ago is this Black Brooks running vest, and it's one of the staples in my rotation. I use it all the time and it's great. Be sure to check out a Thursday night rhombus run from the SDR shop as well, or a Saturday morning group run. Find Cedic Run on social media for more details. Cedic Run, where life and running intersect. I also want to thank everybody who bought a t-shirt in our pre-order this past week. We at the Prairie Track and Field Podcast, we're super excited to see all the orders roll in, and we are super excited to get you a shirt. If you bought one, we'll be working on getting those out this upcoming week, so stay tuned. And thank you guys for listening, too. We appreciate the listens and the shares on social media. And if you really want to help us out, feel free to head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a nice five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. And it's free. You are listening to the third episode of our Legends series, where Cam and I interview some of the best to ever do it in North Dakota track and field history. One name that I've had on my list for potential interviews for a few years now is Heather Berry, formerly Heather Zander. Every day at NDSU, I ran past her All-American heptathlon banner and wondered what her story was. Well, we found out that she was really, really good, winning 10 North Dakota State high school titles before going on to a decorated career at North Dakota State University. We got the chance to talk to Heather about what it was like being the one to beat in high school and having that so-called target on your back, transitioning to the multi and learning new events, and the laser-like focus that she competed with, which her coach called the Xander Zone. We are really happy to bring you this third episode of Legends with the one and only Heather Xander Berry. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rail. And today we are kicking it with one of North Dakota's legends. This is the third installment of the Legends series, and we are super excited to bring you Heather Zander, um, now Heather Berry. She hails from Mandan, where she was an absolute beast on the track. She won 10 state titles and went on to NDSU, where she competed in the pentathlon and the heptathlon and a multitude of other events. Her name is all over the top 10 list there. And she ended her career with an All-American finish in the heptathlon. So welcome to the podcast, Heather. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We are super stoked. Before we hit record, we were talking about just some of the names and track that you read about and you hear about, but you don't know much of their story. And we really feel like you're one of those people. You obviously have all the accolades, but we're really excited to get to learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, great. So one of the questions that we ask every guest essentially is, you know, you're on the podcast because you do have all these accolades coming towards the end of your career, but tell us just a little bit about how you got started in track and maybe it wasn't track and field officially right away. Maybe it was just into running and you found out you were good at running and jumping faster than everyone else. But <laughs> how, how did you get your start? Yeah, so I started um, pretty early on. I started in elementary school, probably fourth, fifth grade or so. My sister and I used to ride bike down to the track for summer AAU track and field. Um, So we'd be down there every summer, um, you know, competing in different track meets. And I think I even did a little pentathlon when I was 
really young grade school, middle school. Um, and truly, I think kids really only fall in love with track when, when they are fast and when they're winning, right? It's more fun when you're winning. So um, found out early on that I was, you know, fast and could jump and things like that. So I guess I really enjoyed it from a young age. And then I kept, kept up with it. And then obviously um, through middle school and high school um, had some success and you just keep rolling with it and you just, it becomes kind of your lifestyle. It's uh yeah, it's, it's very rare that you find a track athlete that uh, that was all they did athletically growing up. Uh, what were the, some of the other things that you did uh, when sure. you were younger? Yeah, for sure. I was in basketball and volleyball as well. Um, and to say that track was my first love, maybe not. Um, I feel like I, I liked those team sports as well. Um, but I did really love track just because it was that individual sport, um, you know, on the, the basketball floor or the volleyball court, it was, you know, you had to rely on your teammates and things like that. But when it came to track, it was just me and the track. Um, and I really felt like it was, you know, independent. If I succeed, I succeed. If I fail, I fail. Um, it's kind of all on me. So I really love that aspect about track actually. I think a lot of the people that we've interviewed, you know, have a, a very similar, I know Ryan and myself, we both, uh, started when we were four or five years old doing, you know, like youth track meets in the summer and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's really where like the love of track and field starts. Uh, but was there ever a time where you kind of just hated track and field <laughs> like early on, um, early on? Yeah. I mean, I think I actually really, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was just something fun to do. And like I say, when you're winning, you're having more fun. Um, maybe through like middle school and, and the start of high school, it, it started to get a little bit more difficult, but um, still it was generally fun just, you know, being out there. And my sister um, who was three years ahead of me in school. So I was a freshman, she was a senior, was on the team as well. So I think it was really fun because I looked up to her um, and it was awesome to be able to compete with her at the track as well. So um, yeah, it was, I loved it from a young age and, I mean, obviously not every day is fun on the track, but, yeah. um, yeah, it became, became a love can be kind of a love hate relationship sometimes too. I feel like, um, you have to be a little bit insane to love track because of just the anxiety that it provokes mm -hmm. and, you know, the nerves and the tension and the pressure. Um, but I feel like that, that pressure and all that stuff really helps you build as a person and develops you know your character and just helps you lifelong under tough situations and gets you through things like that yeah yeah track is so weird like that because I've, I've never participated in any event or or sport or activity that I've loved and hated as much as as running track so oh yes uh, I love hate many yeah, days yeah it's weird like that <laughs> yep so when you get to high school, you went to Mandan High School, which I don't know if it's just being from Grand Forks, but I feel like Mandan to the east side of the state is one of the most low key. I don't even know if I'd say the word underrated, but like we never hear about Mandan on the eastern side of the state. Sure. And the <laughs> only other person I can think that came out of Mandan that went to NDSU and did any sort of track was Alex Copy. And sure. I don't there's probably a multitude of others, but. So you get to the high school level and in high school, you ended up dominating the sprints. You won a lot of state titles in the hundred and the 200. How did you choose the sprints or did the sprints kind of choose you? Like, how did you decide when you got to the high school level, what events you were going to focus on? I think, like you say, the, the sprints kind of just chose me um, early on. My coach, Mike Kuhn, he obviously discovered that I had some speed. Um, he loved the hurdles and he's like, Hey, I think she can do the hurdles. Let's give it a whirl. So then I hopped in the hurdles. So the hundred, the 200 and the hundred hurdles became my events. Um, and then I took it on to long jump as well. Long jump was a strong event for me, but not always, you know, state championship level. Um, but yeah, I got into the sprints. My freshman year, I think is when I first went to state, maybe, maybe in middle school, I went as well. I don't recall, but I think maybe just the relays, 
but then my freshman year is when um did really well in the sprints and I feel like <laughs> coach Kuhn would always say you know these snotty little freshmen they don't know what's going on they just get out there and run and that's yeah. exactly what it was you know it was just like put me on the track line me up you really at that point you're kind of young and naive you just get out there and and do it and you're like oh hey wow I did all right you know and coach is like all right you got state championship you know so it's yeah um initially you just kind of go and do it and then you know sophomore year a little more pressure junior year was a tough year for me um I think I was coming off of basketball and some sprained ankles and who knows what um so junior year was a little bit rough at the state track meet and then yeah senior year I came back and that was probably the most challenging year just because all the pressure of you know you won as a freshman, you won as a sophomore, you flopped as a junior. Now, what are you going to do your senior year? And so, yeah, senior year was probably the most memorable just because it was the most challenging physically, emotionally, uh, mentally, everything on that, that level. So. Mm -hmm. And for the people that are listening that don't know your accolades. So you won the hundred and the 200, your freshman, your sophomore and your senior year. Um, so I guess what advice then do you have for any athlete that maybe does have that big target on their back? Cause there's always a couple at the state track meet every year that are seniors expected to be the big dogs and to kind of roll over some of the other events. Like what, ad what advice would you give those kids? My coach, Mike Kuhn, I still remember these words to the day. And I still think of these things just in life in general, he would say, Xander, keep your focus in your lane. Every time every race, I'd look over and he'd tell me the same thing. And I just, I take that into life. It's like, yes, it's my lane. I have to focus on me. I can't focus on what the next guy is doing. I have to just focus on me here and now. Um, and so that just carried me through because I'd be lined up for the hurdles. I'm not looking at anybody else. I'm looking straight down the lane. Um, <laughs> what's kind of funny is later on into college track, a lot of my competitors became my teammates at NDSU and a lot of them would say, Xander, you were scary on the track. We thought you were just a beast and we did not want to yeah. talk to you. You were just <laughs> like, well, I was in the zone. And, um, later one of my teammates nicknamed me the Xander zone. Um, so yeah, it was just keeping my mental focus in my lane and not, not worrying about other people. Um, Along that regard, I'm not worrying about anybody else's results or much less even my results. Um, I'll be the first to say that I have to look up my best times or look up my accolades because I, I don't focus on those things. To me, it's just how did I feel in that moment? How did I compete that day? How did I feel that I did? Um, did I keep the focus? Was I, um, you know, just in the zone? Was I doing my thing? And I wasn't really paying attention to the clock or anything. Just did I do my best and went out there and yeah, did what I knew I could do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. A lot of, <clears throat> I know personally, a lot of times I would get caught up in the, in the time or uh, stuff like that. And it, it definitely sure. affected, affected how I competed. So I think, I think a lot of people can take that advice to heart. Uh, like Ryan yeah. said, I mean, you won 10 state titles and you mentioned the, winning your senior year, uh, was extra special, uh, after not winning your junior year, uh, any of those other state titles really stick out as being ones where you're really in the zone. Um, gosh, not that I can recall. Um, like I say, I, I was kind of a snotty freshman, maybe sophomore, <laughs> like just out there competing and having fun and not really realizing that, I was making such great accolades or memories or whatever. It was just me out there competing. Um, but yeah, I think the senior year, you know, kind of resonates and just sticks in my mind just because I know that year was really difficult for me. Um, obviously the years prior were, were super exciting and fun as well. Um, no doubt about that, but. So we get a lot of uh, people who are interested in, the whole recruiting process. Maybe they're going through the the process of choosing uh, a college right now, or or will in the next couple of years. Uh, what was that like for you, and how did you decide on North Dakota State? Yeah, so I was recruited by Ryan Godfrey. 
um, previous coach at NDSU and wonderful coach. And I think ultimately it was the coach that helped me to make that decision. Um, I had a great relationship with Godfrey. Um, other schools, you know, had offers on the table as well. Um, some far away, you know, Portland State and NDSU were kind of my two top choices. And eventually it came down to, I really enjoyed Ryan Godfrey. Um, he was very personable and I, you know, got along with him well and I felt comfortable and NDSU just kind of felt like home, right? So it's far enough away from home, but not too far away from home and just felt right. So I think the coaching staff made the biggest impact on my choice for sure. I don't think too many North Dakota athletes ever have Portland state on their mind. How did you, did like you reach out to the coach? Did they reach out to you? How did you make that connection? Um, I feel like they reached out to me. I don't recall how exactly that all went out. Um, but yeah, I went out and visited out there and, uh, was exciting. Thought, Oh, this could be great, but it was just a little too far away from home. Um, just being young and, you know, it was, more comfortable to be in Fargo because I just knew Fargo a little bit better. And, but yeah, I have no regrets. I'm going to NDSU over Portland. I think um, there's, you know, a lot to be said about NDSU and, and where we've come, you know, when I started there, it was transitioning to the D1 program and now it's D1 and very well known um, obviously for football and, and our track program has been top notch. I mean, can't say enough about the track team there. It's been phenomenal. And so I love that I was part of that team and building into, you know, the summit league and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. I was very proud to go to NDSU. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to touch on that transition in just a moment. Um, before we do that though, you competed in the pentathlon and the heptathlon in North Dakota. That's not a high school event. Very rarely it is. Did right. you do like in the summers? I know the like, USATF summer meets are like gaining a lot of traction with um, some of the younger kids these days. Did you ever like dip your toes in the pent in the hat before you showed up at NDSU? Or was that something that coach Godfrey or coach Stevie Keller were just like, you are athletic in everything you do, like give it a try. How did you get started in the multi? Yeah. You know, I feel like I did a multi like early on when I was younger, like elementary um, middle school, it was just kind of a fun little summer track thing. But throughout high school, I really did not do any multi-events. Um, so then, you know, Godfrey had talked a little bit about it during the recruiting process. Hey, I think you could be really good at this um, and whatnot. And then, of course, when I got to NDSU, Stevie was all about the multi. And Stevie's a wonderful multi-coach. And, yeah, I was very happy to jump in and learn it. It was, you know, challenging, obviously, because I didn't do many of the events. And I had never run longer than 400 meters and I had to run an 800. So that was brutal for me, <laughs> but to say the least, yeah, it was, it was a fun, fun transition. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did it. And they saw the potential that I could, you know, make it to nationals with the HEP where I couldn't make it individually in some of those sprints hurdles. So. Yeah. That's one thing. Coach Keller just has the eye for the multis like this year. Nell Graham, who's been the, primarily the last few years, like a 400 specialist, maybe go down to the 200 a little bit, but okay. she did, she did like the pent at the first December meet and ended up like winning the pent. And so, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Stevie, he's just, he's got a knack for that stuff. I don't know how he does it. And Ryan, you were a multi as well. Yeah. I was. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so okay. kind of the same boat as you, um, where I hadn't really done too much before coming to NDSU but I was the opposite I wasn't very like great at one specific event so they were like yeah okay. we, we better try the multi like there's <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have been able to hang with just being a hurdler just being a high jumper so it was like right. we don't your spare parts we don't know exactly what to do with you so we'll throw you in the multi well and it says something if you can be well-rounded and do well at each event you know you're not phenomenal at one but you can do well at all of them to kind of combine so that says something about you. Yeah. Ryan, you don't, don't sell yourself too short, Ryan. You placed <laughs> at Summit League individually in the high hurdles and in the high jump, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So, times. All right, nice. Yeah. But okay, so for me, probably the hardest event to pick up was probably like the pole vault. I'm trying to think. I know you guys don't have to vault on the women's Thank side. God, but, pole vault. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, javelin, I've just never been able to throw the javelin as well as I feel like I should be able to. What were some of like the most frustrating ones for you to pick up? Oh, javelin was my tough one too. Um, I'm like the least flexible person ever. And so I just could not get the flexibility for javelin and Stevie tried so hard and I just couldn't figure that one out. Um, shot put was obviously challenging. I'm not, not huge. Um, it was just getting the technique and all that. Um, and the 800 meters was kind of my mental block. I just could not break 220. Mm. And like I said, I never in high school, I never even had to run 400 meters because I was just one, two hundred hurdles long jump. And so to go from those short distances to have to train for the eight was challenging. Um, and I'm sure Stevie had some rough days with me. Just come on, Xander. <laughs> <laughs> I just could not get past that mental block. I don't know what it was about that event. Um, and it's last event on the the second day so you're drained already and mentally exhausted um but yeah that was javelin 800 were my my weak ones sadly the high jump was one of my poor events as well and i do know a really good high jump coach but it did not did not work out for me to be a good high jump <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is ironic is saying that you didn't have the flexibility and you're a physical therapist that's it's kind of right? ironic as well Right. Yes. I've learned how to work on a few things, but still don't have the flexibility. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it is, it is crazy. Like there's just those one or two events that it doesn't seem like no matter how hard you try or like how much time you spend on them, they just like elude you a little bit. And like you think, okay, that's just two NDSU people talking. But if you look at anyone, um, like a few years ago, Lyndon Victor, who set the collegiate record in the decathlon, he okay. like I think he did it jumping like not even 14 feet in the pole vault which when you're scoring 8,500 points you'd think he'd be jumping like 16 or 17 feet yeah. so everybody right. has that one event that just is a their Achilles heel per se for sure I can totally agree yes or maybe a couple events that are a little rough for me yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> you make up for it in other events I guess true true yeah. okay so Going back to, you had talked about transitioning and it's kind of cool because you did get to see NDSU transition from being um, D2 to D1. And one of the things when I was doing a little research is it talks about how your first year as a freshman, NDSU didn't get to compete at the NCAA meet. You were competing at the Division I Independent Championships. And Mm -hmm. we interviewed Riley Dolezal back like a long time ago in our first season. And he talked about these independent championships too. And just from stories that we've heard, they seem a little bit quirky, but it says, it says that you um, so casually in your bio um, helped you helped the Bison to its first team title scored wins in the 200 and the heptathlon. Okay. So, so casual. Tell us about how you scored wins in both of those events. Um, You know, I don't remember that a whole lot. I know it was down in Colorado. Um, and it was kind of odd because it was just kind of random teams. Um, you know, we weren't really in a, obviously in a division. We were just independent. And yeah, it was a little bit odd, but it was kind of my first year. And so didn't expect or know what to expect a whole lot. But yeah, I guess I guess I won the multi that year. And yeah. 200. Um, news to me. But yes, it was it was different. And, you know, I guess maybe I didn't really realize that coming in as a freshman that, you know, we were independent and we couldn't be qualifying for, you know, nationals and things like that. Um, but obviously it didn't matter at my freshman year. And so we went on, I can't remember exactly what year, I think I was there one or two years when we were independent and then we were transitioned into D1. So yeah, it was a little different, a little quirky. Like I said, just random teams and we're kind of like, what are we competing for? But hey, we're out here competing. We're having a good time. And yeah, yeah it was all right. I think like 
for a lot of like even if <clears throat> even for those that aren't like going through this weird like d1 d2 d1 transition coming from like competing at the bismarck bowl for the state meet uh and then competing at like the summit league it's it's a it's hard to like get in the in the mindset of like oh this is like a big deal uh yeah. it's just such a such a different uh atmosphere that is true like Did a lot you of our notice that too a lot of our track meets i mean even conference track meets there's not a big crowd there you know there's a couple parents um whoever could make it you know there's maybe 100 people in the stands versus yeah the state track meet there's hundreds of fans and just people going crazy um mm-hmm. so yeah for sure when you get to some college track meets it's kind of like oh is this a big deal it kind of seems like a little <laughs> side meet or something but yeah. yeah that's so funny that you bring that up cam because just today i was talking to a couple of guys that i helped pull at grandview and i had brought up like how awesome a high school four by four is like the energy for the four by four in high school is yeah. just insane and we had a couple of conference meets where it came down to the wire and the four by four was a big deal, but I can think of like just random high school meets that I was way more hyped to run a four by four than say like any of our meets in like California yeah. or somewhere else. So right, right. just yeah. such a, such a weird perspective. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, Cause yeah, college meets, not all your parents are going to be there. It, you know, it's not a big spectator sport. Obviously you're not going to get just, hundreds of people flocking to a track meet. So um, yeah, you kind of had to pump yourself up for some of those track meets for sure. I can agree. Yeah, it's, I, I wish there was an easy way to, to fix that, to take the same energy and like big team atmosphere that you get at any high school meet and, mm-hmm. and keep it like consistent into college and then, and then pro. Cause yeah, for you sure. know, I'm for a lot of people, once they get to college or past high school, uh, that's, that's a kind of a tough part of, of competing. Yeah, for sure. So, so, uh, when, well, we'll get back to you, Heather, but when did you, uh, really start to see your breakout in the heptathlon? You said, you know, there's obviously those certain events that didn't come as easy. Uh, but when, when did it all? all start coming together yeah so those first couple of years obviously it's a learning curve because you know I had to completely learn javelin shot put high jump um, and then training for that 800 and so yeah my freshman sophomore probably even junior years were just kind of learning and developing and I think really my fourth and fifth years are when things started to click and you know you kind of realize the flow of the heptathlon and just getting your rhythm and just figuring out the events. Um, obviously my, my fifth year was my best year. So I'm really thankful that Stevie and Ryan, um, you know, saw that potential in me and pushed me to red shirt and stay for the fifth year. Um, cause if I hadn't, I, you know, wouldn't have made it to nationals and all that. So, um, I do think that it's, it takes time to develop because really in high school, North Dakota track, you train for two, three months, you know, it's such a short season. It's so crazy. And so you get to college, your body goes through a really tough transition because you're training for nine months out of the year. Going back to like kind of the breakout, do you remember any times like during your training when there was just like the aha moment where an event came together and you felt like you really started to figure out an event or you hit those positions for the first time. Do you remember any of that? Because I feel like in the deck and the half, you've got like seven or 10 chances to feel that compared to, you know, if you're just like a hurdler, if you're just like a long jumper. Right. Yeah. I do feel like there's, you know, some of the events I'd feel a little more confident in them eventually kind of that junior senior year. Um, Yeah. You know, the shot put, I don't know if I ever felt super confident or was like, Oh, I got this or the javelin. Um, throwing was not my strong suit, but yeah, hurdles. I felt like hurdles. I continued to get better at those each year. High jump. Uh, maybe I caught my stride a little bit better last year, but, um, yeah, some of them, I think the 200 is when I, one event that I really feel like I hit my stride in my fifth year. Um, 
don't know what it was that Stevie coached me on, you know, pull your heels through or stand up taller or um, get your pelvis higher. It's something that he had told me about the 200 that just kind of clicked. And I feel like that became one of my strongest events. So yeah, there's lots of room for improvement in every event in the multi. I mean, you always feel like you're striving for more and better and um, which can be challenging with the multi too, because you always feel like there's more, more left there. There's more I can dig into or tap into. Um, but to do it on, on meet day and actually get it done is another story. So, <laughs> and to put them all together at the same meet is a whole other story. That's just it. Like I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> and it's amazing too. Cause it seems like so often you do see somebody that like puts together a multi and they're like, I PR'd and in, you know, five of the seven events or I PR'd in seven of the 10 events. And you're like, Oh, what am I going to do that? I've got to have one of those, one of these days. Right. 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 Yes. I mean, sometimes you're thankful if you PR in one event, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard to, to put it together all in one meet and get things flowing, but for sure, for sure. So touching on that fifth year a little bit, then you come back and you have mentioned this already, but you got to cap your career with an all-American finish in the heptathlon. You placed ninth at the NCAA meet. What was that experience like of, you know, finding out that you, you qualified and then getting to actually compete on such a big stage like Hayward Field? Yeah, that was pretty phenomenal. Um, obviously nerve-wracking, um, exciting, kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It was pretty incredible to be there. My family got to be there. Um, obviously Stevie and Ryan were out there coaching. And I think uh, Whitney Carlson was out there with me that year. And yeah, it was, it was just incredible. You know, the, we talk about how the atmosphere of track meets isn't really exciting and um, out there, it's a different story. You know, there was a big crowd there and it was um, getting you pumped up and exciting. I mean, the nerves were at their peak with something like that. But I think with all my years of experience, and like I said, just keep your focus in your lane. Um, somehow I pulled it together and I was able to, to have my best, best performance out there. So it was a pretty neat experience. Yeah. There, there's nothing, nothing else like uh, Eugene and, and Hayward field. Yeah. Have you guys been out there before? Yeah, Ryan and I got, well, Ryan competed at uh, USA Junior Championships there his freshman year. Mm -hmm. And then we both went out there in 2016 for the second half of the Olympic trials. Okay. Uh, We took a road trip out there with some teammates. So uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's a really neat stadium and um, just a really cool atmosphere just with the history behind it. And um, you just feel like, wow, this is the track and field place to be, you know, everybody in this town loves track and field and everyone's excited about it. And yeah, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. I don't know. There's something like the Hayward magic they always talk about, but Mm -hmm. yeah, just like you said, everybody knows about the events going on. And like, if one person, if you're sitting in the stands and one person to your right doesn't know, like who's supposed to win the 200, the person on your left does and can tell you all about it. And yeah. yeah, it's it's just such a sweet environment. Yes, for sure. I tried I tried making a joke when we were at the trials about because uh, there was a bunch of uh, triple jumpers and long jumpers who had all they were all competing, but they had all gone to the University of Florida. And I tried making a joke like, oh, why don't the jumpers come to compete in North Dakota? That doesn't make any sense, you know, being sarcastic. <laughs> and there's literally like a lady who turned around, like glared at us and like said like, I don't know. I wonder why, you know, like, just like <laughs> idiot. You don't, this guy doesn't even know anything about track and field. Of course they go to Florida. What are you thinking? Uh, but yeah. then, then the rest of that story is she found out we were from North Dakota and felt so bad that she bought us Oregon t-shirts and brought yeah. them the next day. Oh, wow. Cause well, she, yeah, she found out we were in North Dakota and had been sleeping in a tent in the rain all week and coming <laughs> oh to the God. trials so <laughs> wow 
yeah um, so. and you knew a thing or two about track too so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay so i'm not gonna try to put you like on the spot here but do you have any like favorite stories or memories from ndsu like that we haven't touched on yet and you can always think for a little bit and we can come back to it too mm. but like anything about certain coaches or just like funny thing that ever happened in training or while traveling one, that, like, one example all- would be like Morgan Milbrath uh, remembers taking chips off of a, a stranger's table at Chili's in an airport one time because they thought it was free chips and salsa, but it wasn't. So they just took some off of a table that from the oh my gosh. like next to them because <laughs> they oh, wanted free chips and salsa. Funny. <laughs> um, gosh, funny moments. Well, kind of funny. I think we were out at Mount Sac. We had run into, and I'm going to probably butcher his name now. He was the long jump record holder, Mike Powell. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyway, Stevie comes with me. Heather, do you know who that is? Like, I have no idea who that is, Stevie. Heather, seriously? Like, I have no idea. Go ask him for his autograph, Heather. Like, I don't even know who he is. So I'll go get his autograph. And then I come back and he tells me, that's the record holder in the long jump. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so things like that. Um, I think out at, I think as I'm on sack release too, we saw Maurice Green wow. walking mm. by. And there again, Stevie's like, Heather, do you know who that is? I'm like, I don't. And again, <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm a track and field lover by sport but i don't know all my track athletes and don't know when i see them so stevie had to point them out to me a couple times so it's kind of fun to see them and then realize oh hey yeah great athlete right there so yeah it happened a couple times but yeah we had some just awesome memories um just hanging out with teammates and you know some of those trips like spring break trips to miami and arizona where we got to be training for a week Mm-hmm. Um, but also just enjoying time with teammates and, um, just getting to know each other better and having downtime and yeah, you really develop some great friendships. Some of my greatest friends are from the track team and, um, that's what makes it fun. You know, it's just yeah. being with your teammates, training hard with them, having a good time with them. Um, yeah. And just making all those memories and, and training together. Ryan, what's uh, one athlete that you've ran into oh, at, at a track meet? Yeah, we had at Mount Sac again. I feel like Mount Sac is so funny because it's like those first couple of days, it's just the Maltais. And yeah. Um, yeah, you get like all sorts of people that will like, like Brian Clay was raking the long jump pit one time. It's like he's oh, sure. you know, not too far <laughs> off of a, an Olympic gold at that point. But yeah probably like the biggest one i mean obviously he's an olympic gold medalist but ashton eaton was there one year and this is so funny because i i fanboyed so hard it's like oh my gosh that's ashton eaton and it was 2016 so like right before the olympics and he is he's at the track he's warming up and nobody really knew like what his plan was for the day he obviously wasn't in the multi i don't know why i said obviously like like cam knew he wasn't in the multi yeah. but he wasn't doing the multi he shows up at the track i fanboy i go and get a picture with him and later on i listened to a podcast like talking where he talked about his lead up to the olympics and he's like yeah you know it was it was hard like one time i went to mount sac and all these people came up and asked for pictures and i'm just there to compete i'm like oh my gosh that was, that me. was, <laughs> that was me um but he ended up hopping in shot put with us when you're the defending olympic champ you can do stuff like that so and he and he threw right after me and he used my shot put so i got to hand my shot put to ashley Eaton every time (laughs) and then they actually flipped us around um he wasn't in the the sheet he just showed up he was on the heat sheet and so they gave me his mark, which was like a whole meter and a half further than his yeah. or than mine. <laughs> uh, and I was like super pumped. But Coach Doris at the time was like, nah, we, we have to tell him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bummer. Uh, he actually was competing. Um, 
same year I was 2010 at the the national track meet out at Hayward yeah. Field. Yes, mm-hmm. he was the same. I want to say we were the same age, or he might have been a year younger. I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, he was competing. So, you know, it was before he was Olympic status. Um, right. But obviously, everybody knew his name and knew he was going to win the multi. And then his girlfriend, probably now fiance, I'm not sure if they ended up getting married, but she won the heptathlon that I was competing in that year. So I competed against her too. So yeah, they they cool. are married now. They are, are they married. married? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I assume so. so. Yeah. So that was kind of cool because yeah, his name was already out there, but it was you know prior to all of his accolades at the Olympics. So mm-hmm. before the the gold medals and the world records and right all that little <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you end your NDSU career with your best performance ever in the half. You get to do it on the national stage. You finish ninth place. You're all American. Did you compete post-collegiately at all? Or like, did you have any aspirations to compete post-collegiately or at least think about it? Um, no, I never had a thought to do any post-collegiate track. I'll say my husband encouraged me a couple of times, you know, hey, you should do some track. You should keep up with it. And I'd say, nobody is paying me to do track and field. Like, this is not going to be successful or pay the bills. So (laughs) no, I'm not doing it. And I truly, I'll say that I, I think that I just kind of got burnt out with track and, um, you know, you do it for five years solid and then high school prior to that. I think I was just, I was just kind of done. I was like, you know, I met, met my goals, made it to nationals, all American status um I think I've done what I what I came to do and I think I'm ready to be done with with track so no never never went on post-collegiate and don't regret that either Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah now you've you've alluded to your husband a few times Trevor um Mm -hmm. and for the people that aren't listening Trevor uh was a multiple time Olympian for the Bahamas 2011 won a bronze medal at the world championships uh, in the high jump. So definitely uh, another track and field stud. How did you guys meet? As I've actually always wondered that, and I don't know the answer. Okay. So um, it was in 2008. He finished up at Dickinson State is where he went to undergrad. Finished up there and he came to NDSU and he was training um, professionally. And so he was just training alongside the NDSU track team um, helping out with coaching some high jump here and there, um, as a volunteer. And yeah, we just got met on the track, obviously, and things just went from there. That's pretty cool. And so is it, what is it like being married to an Olympian? It's pretty cool, (laughs) especially like, I don't know how much he's currently training or if he's, Uh he's hung it up by now, but like back when he was, like kind of in his prime at his peak. What was that like? Yeah, you know, I I often tell him that he's lucky that he married somebody in the track and field world because nobody else would understand all the things that he had to do and went, you know, because when he was in his prime of training, um, we were married in 2011 and he went to his first Olympic Games in 2012. And so those first couple of years of us being married was him traveling he'd leave the country and go compete for a month over in Europe or maybe be two months or you know so he was obviously very invested in it and he had to be and I I understood that you know I'm a track athlete I know what you have to do um but yeah training multiple times a day for many hours and yes I mean it was you know challenging but I obviously supported him hundred percent and, and he, you know, met his goal to make it to the Olympics, obviously didn't meet his goal to medal at the Olympics, but yeah, he's a phenomenal athlete. And what's amazing is that he trains by himself. You know, he didn't have a coach here. Um, he had some help from some local coaches for some technical stuff, but writes his own workouts and, yeah. you know, motivates himself on a daily basis. I don't know how he does that. Cause I wouldn't have made it through track without my teammates motivating me to get going. So, um, he's very driven, obviously very talented and 
an amazing athlete. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah well, Go ahead. I was just gonna say we'll have to get Trevor on the podcast, but this is this is the Heather Zander Heather Berry yeah. episode. So enough about oh, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'd be that'd be great if you could get him on the podcast. <laughs> for sure, Cam. Brain, yeah. Bring us back, Cam. Wrap things up for us. Oh no, I didn't have a closing question ready. <laughs> Put me on the spot, Ryan. I thought there was there's one more on the sheet. I think we. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Over I I should have just stuck to the script. <laughs> uh, Heather, I I feel like uh, this is kind of like I, with this question, I feel like I'm interviewing you for a job, but. Uh, uh, it's, it's a good question. Uh, right. how did you find, uh, your athletics career, your track and field career, uh, helped you help prepare you for, uh, your current career in uh, physical therapy? Yeah, for sure. You know, as an athlete, obviously we all go through injuries and sort of things. So I had been through physical therapy myself many times or spent many hours in the athletic training room. And so, you know, you really learn a lot of being on the other side of physical therapy, being the injured patient or the injured um, party. And so, yeah, going into PT school, you know, I learned a lot of things that I had gone through um, and it just kind of came full circle. So yeah, being an athlete obviously helps, you know, going into physical therapy. So hopefully it'll be helpful for you too, Ryan. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, a lot of the training styles or um, what it takes to, to do certain things. And, um, and you know what it's like to be injured. So, you know, kind of a lot of aspects of, of PT. And so, yeah, it, it does kind of go hand in hand and I will treat athletes from time to time. I see kind of a wide array of patients, but it's helpful now to being a clinician and I can help those athletes and say, okay, I, I know where you're struggling or, you know, what part of this, sport is challenging for you or even some of the psychology of um of sport and injury and stuff like that it's become helpful in the pt world so where did you yeah. go to where did you go to pt school und okay mm -hmm. so is that weird going from being a bison to <laughs> i guess back then the sioux back then they were the sioux um yeah, so I was a very proud bison and I would wear my bison track and field sweatshirts, yes, whatever around campus. And there'd be people that would give me some strange looks. And one time they were having a football recruiting something or other in the union where I was studying. One of the football coaches came up to me and said, Seriously? And I'm looking, I'm like, What? Seriously, you're going to wear bison on our campus? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, I am, I guess. <laughs> so, um, I'm bison through and through when you're an athlete at NDSU, you're always a bison. And so, yeah, I don't mind the Sioux. Um, you know, I have that part of me as well, but I'm always a bison. So mm -hmm. we love to hear it. Cam and I love to hear that. We feel the same oh, way, yeah. especially yeah. being from Grand Forks. It's like a weird flex, but you do it anyway. But it's funny, yeah, being from Grand Forks and then choosing to be a bison. Were you always bison fans or you grew up a Sioux fan? I, like, growing up, I could have told you every player and every number on, like, the UND hockey team and most of the football team. I was a huge UND fan growing up, but they didn't really recruit myself, and I think the same kind of goes for Cam, too, so. Yeah, yeah, I got no love from UND, uh, okay. but yeah, same as you, Ryan, like, my grandparents had season hockey tickets. So I grew up going to hockey games on the weekends. I would just like do a puzzle in my room by myself and turn the hockey game on the radio. Nice. Cause I was a weird kid like that, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, it was tough. I remember like uh, being on my recruiting visit at a bison game, or maybe this was even like my freshman or sophomore year at like a bison football game. And like the NDSU school song was going and I was like, I don't, know the school song yet but i can tell you every single word of the und school song is that right. is that bad you know so it took me a while but i'm all all in now all right awesome Love yeah. To hear it. <laughs> yeah so i guess one of the last things we always ask our guests and cam i'll call you out a little bit you like called out my question i'm the one that writes the question so <laughs> i i see Sorry. your shade that you were throwing <laughs> but oops um you'd given some advice earlier in the podcast, but you know, we've got a lot of 
collegiate track and field runners that listen to this. We've got a lot of high school athletes that listen to this. And honestly, just a lot of people that, you know, see greatness like yours and they're just inspired by it. Like, what advice do you have for those high school and collegiate athletes that want to be the Heather Zander, the Heather Berry someday and, and win 10 state titles and go on and be an All-American? Like, what advice do you have? Yeah, you know, I think just working hard and persevering at whatever, whatever your dream is, you know, just going for it. Um, you know, like I said, I was young, naive, didn't know exactly what I was doing maybe on the track, but um, had that desire to succeed. And, you know, once you succeed a little bit, you kind of want more and more, you kind of get hungry for it. And so just kind of stay hungry and persevere and, and go for whatever your dream might be. Um, and again, like I said, my coach always told me, keep your focus in your lane. Um, don't be worrying about what other people are doing that goes for sports and for life, you know, do your thing, do you, um, focus on yourself and yeah, nothing can, nothing can stop you if you're going to go for your dream and, and pursue it with passion. Mm -hmm. Man, such good advice. <laughs> Heather, Heather, we are so pumped that you were able to join us tonight for so long. You've just been a, and like, we've seen you at, you know, the little bison camps and we've seen you around the track and, um, but for so long, you've just been like a banner up on the wall, um, oh all, all American heptathlete. And it's like, what's the story? And we've heard your name at the state track meets several times. Sure. And it's just, it's so great to finally get to like meet you and hear your story. And, and for so many other people to get to hear your story as well. We're really well, excited you. about that. Thank you. I'm so humbled that you guys asked me to do this. And, um, kind of brings back a lot of good memories and things you don't think about often and um, kind of pulls you back into some of that nostalgic high school and college stuff. So it was fun. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Heather, thanks so much. Uh, tell Trevor we say hi and hopefully yeah, we'll run across sure. you at like the NDSU track sometime soon. Yes, for sure. I appreciate you guys doing this.